I'm Jason Notoris, and this is SPE Talks to Kirsty Boyle. Welcome to the SPE Podcast. Kirsty, thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I was doing a little bit of research coming into this, and I heard that you have a very unique talent. Maybe not as much your talent <laughs> as much as your fur baby's talent. Can you dive into that a little bit? Sure. I have a golden retriever. Her name is Zoe. And my husband and I compete her competitively in dock diving. Zoe will be launched from the back of a dock. She runs full force, jumps into a pool of water, and then the distance is measured from the base of her tail to where the dock lefts off. And when you say launched, you're not talking about out of a cannon, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Although it kind of is like that when you're watching her. There's a lot of power in those little legs, but she just recently broke her record for uh, longest distance. So 21 feet, six inches. Wow. Yeah. It's a long distance. I would want to sound like I'm an expert on this and say, well, the Guinness world record is, <laughs> but I don't know the exact record, but I do know that I heard that, uh, it's around 30 some feet, right? Yes. It's 36 feet and two inches. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew we were coming here to talk about oil and gas and we got into launching dogs off docks. All right, so let's jump right into this. Thanks for joining us on the SPE podcast. We invite you here to talk about startups, sharing your journey, success tips, and also some lessons learned. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So for those listening who haven't had the pleasure of meeting Kirsty, you have an MBA in global energy management and sustainable development. You're the VP of business development for Interface Fluidics. That's an oil field lab service company founded in 2015. Uh, you guys are growing rapidly, really embracing that startup mentality. That's actually how you and I met back in 2018 at SPE's annual technical conference and exhibition that was in Dallas. Yeah, that was uh, an exciting time for us. So we met back in Dallas for ATCE. I was fortunate to be selected to pitch at the Startup Village competition. And that was a really great experience for us. We got access to top-notch mentors that are uh, industry leaders, gave a lot of really great feedback and support and and also some uh, leads in terms of some of them are our exact potential customers that have led to deals. We were able to get great exposure on stage through that pitching and had some really great outcomes that came out of it. We actually can directly tie some, some of the investment we got in our angel and seed and bridge rounds to that as well as some, some projects directly came out of pitching on that stage. Yeah, I remember I got to hear some of your pitch. I didn't get to hear everything. But after that, you and I got to have a conversation. And immediately I was like, wow, she gets it. You guys just found this great spot for yourselves within oil and gas. Sure enough, later in that day, just hours after you and I had talked, uh, you win the Rising Star Award. Then you have investors reaching out to you, as you mentioned. Uh, you got yourself a little promotion down the road mm -hmm. as well. Uh, that's not so bad for a 10-minute pitch at ATCE. It was huge for us. It, it really, uh, we're so grateful to Startup Village and to SPE and the organizers of ATCE. It really did help launch us uh, into success and, and made a big impact in, in our company's trajectory. So Interface Fluidics recently did secure that four and a half million in Series A funding. That was from Equinor and Techstars. 
Um, how much total have you guys actually made so far? We have raised over $6 million U.S. to date. Uh, and, of course, with Techstars and Equinor leading our Series A round, just recently announced, we're, we're really excited to put those funds to work. So without getting too specific, dollar by dollar, because I'm sure that a $6 million uh, itinerary gets kind of long, what is kind of the high-level look at what you're able to do with this investment money? Any innovative business ideas or practices that you can share? Number one has been expanding our capacity to meet the increase in customer demand. We've had a lot of projects come in the door. So this funding has allowed us to deliver our services much faster to our customers. But then as well, we are developing some really neat new up and coming product offerings. One of them that we're excited to talk about is our Huff and Puff testing package. That's something that we're getting asked a lot about um, from our customers. And so we're really excited to be launching that in 2020. And as well, we're working on some really interesting uh, PVT uh, measurements under nano and micro confinement. So stay tuned for those pieces. And I do want to uh, talk more about some of your nanotech in a little bit as well, because I think that what, what you guys are putting out there is incredibly fascinating. But with all the money that's coming in, there's all those relationships that you have to build as well. What goes into that with the investors? Because that is kind of a different world for a lot of people. How can you help us break that down? It can be a long road when you're fundraising. I, I like to say it's a lot like dating. You have to kiss a lot of frogs <laughs> along the way. Uh, for us, what was really important was finding that values alignment with the investors. And we were really fortunate to find that with Techstars and Equinor. Uh, so in particular, the alignment of our values around leveraging technology to solve significant problems in the global energy industry that are scalable in nature. Uh, and as well, supporting Equinor in its goal of being the world's most carbon efficient oil and gas producer. So that was really exciting for us. We are really fortunate that we were able to find that great fit. And when you're kissing all these ugly frogs, <laughs> are you adjusting your pitch as you go? How are you learning along the way? Or sometimes do you ever feel, oh, man, I wish we gave pitch C to that company and pitch D to that company? What's that like? Oh, when I hear our earlier pitches, I, I cringe. <laughs> we learned a lot along the way. I can tell you a lot about what not to do. It absolutely is important to be taking into account the feedback you're getting from investors because a lot of them are very smart people. And even though sometimes it hurts in the moment, it's important to take that in and learn from it and grow from it. So we, we were fortunate to get a lot of great feedback <laughs> along the way that we took in. And I think it's resulted in a really refined pitch that obviously landed us this big series A deal. Refined is the perfect word that comes to my mind as well. When you, when you do take in all that feedback and you can kind of accumulate it into what you know will work best for you, but also you're looking for that right partner for yourself as well. So sometimes I think people get all over anxious about, I just need to go out and find something, but you have to find what's that something for you. And is that kind of where you feel you guys are right now? Yes, we were really fortunate to, to find that right fit. And exactly as you say, it's about interviewing them back just as much as they're interviewing you or for are you a good investment. You have to be doing your due diligence on the investors on the other side and making sure you're speaking to references of theirs, of what are other companies you've worked with? Can we speak with those CEOs and can we hear how that relationship has progressed? And that's actually really telling when you start speaking with their previous investments and see how those relationships are. It can give you a great indicator of how working with them would be 
long-term. It's a really good tip. So what does a typical day for you look like? You hear these horror stories sometimes of, oh, you have to put in a hundred hours every couple of weeks. For you, what, what's that routine feel like? There are some weeks where you're putting in those hours, <laughs> I won't lie. Uh, it's, it's you know, been a whirlwind the last few years and will continue to be so. Uh, no day is the same in a startup. I am fortunate to get to wear, wear a lot of different hats and, and do a lot of different things. To give you an example, this week, uh, I'm on the road a lot. So up at 4.30 in the morning, off to the airport with my breakfast. This Wednesday, I was editing uh, an SPE technical paper for the upcoming conference in Lafayette in February. Peer review papers, very important. <laughs> exactly. Love SPE. And so, you know, sending that off right before, as I'm, I'm the plane is taking off and I'm trying to hit enter on my, hot, my Wi-Fi hotspot. <laughs> Because every single plane ride I, I go on, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. The Wi-Fi works because I get a lot of my emails done on in the air. And then you know, launch right into Houston, right into customer meetings. It can be uh, new customer discovery meetings. It can be customer results meetings. And then usually I'll have evening events, dinners with customers. Um, this week, actually, yesterday, I got the uh, opportunity to be invited to a Texas-style gala fundraiser event. Wow, what an experience. Everyone was in their full-on jeans and cowboy outfits, and it was a, it was a great experience. So that, that's, I guess, a day in my life. Texas tuxedo. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you have any life hacks, especially during some of your travels, just things you've learned along the way or resources that have kind of made your day-to-day -day a little easier? Uh, one quick one would be I'm the queen of to-do lists. I love, there's nothing more satisfying than making a long list and crossing each one off as you complete the task. That's That keeps me on track. I've got a lot of those on the go at any given time. I always say as well with a startup, there's so many opportunities that, that we could be pursuing. And so you have to be just as proud of all the things that you're saying no to even the great opportunities you're saying no to as the ones that you're saying yes to. And then the final one, which is something that <clears throat> is occupying a lot of my time right now, is how do I expand my personal capacity and my impact in the company? And I found people are my hack. So growing my team, I just recently hired another uh, group to my team. And so it's about if I did everything myself, then we'd be limited to my capacity. And so how do I work through my team and empower them to be making decisions? Because we get a lot more done with more people doing the work. Couldn't agree with you more. So I, I, I like the first two 100% with the checklists and being able to cross everything off. Knowing when to say no, I think is so important for personal time management. You're going to hear some feedback from some people that probably say, well, how do I grow my team? I need that money for X or I need that money for Y. How was your solution to grow your team? How were you able to convince the powers that be that it was needed? Yes, because you've got a finite amount of resources and they can be spent on development or equipment or people. I think we've, we've struck a really good balance in our company. Uh, two, just two years ago, we were only a couple people. Now we're almost 40 full-time employees and, and continuing to grow rapidly. So that's been a key piece for us. We have invested in the people side of things. For me, it's been an incredible investment. We have, I'm so proud of the smart people that we work with and, and 
I've seen the returns already, even with the teams that we just brought on in the last month. All right, so I want to get more into what makes your model so successful, but let's take a quick break before shifting gears. Hey there, listener. Would you like to have all things SPE available wherever you go instantly? We've got you covered. SPE now has an app. You get access to One Petro, the latest technical content from SPE Publications, and a full event calendar. I've got the app on my smartphone, home screen, easy to access, easy to use. It's available in both the App Store and Google Play. Just search SPE International and download today. All right, you're listening to the SPE podcast with Jason Notorious and Kirsty Boyle. You have a background in healthcare, right? I do. So what happened there? <laughs> what, what changes did you decide that brought you to where you are right now? So I started my career uh, doing an undergrad in biological sciences. The reason I went there was I thought growing up I wanted to be a doctor. That was my path. Mm -hmm. And that was the only path I was going to consider. And for me as well, I love the advice of follow your curiosity. For instance, you know, follow your passion, but what's your passion? You don't know, but follow what you're curious about. And I was always really curious and always just wanted to learn more about biology and science and technology and engineering and math. And so that led me into biological sciences, which then the natural progression was healthcare and worked in healthcare for a while, of course. So I'm Canadian. Healthcare is very different in Canada than it is in the U.S. And my experiences there, I realized that I think I'm much better suited for private sector than public sector and, and felt that I could make more of an impact um, with the resources of a private sector. So went back and pursued my MBA and then just naturally out of luck, stumbled into technology and management consulting and investment, which led me on this career path. So I feel very fortunate that I stumbled into this because now it's my world and I, I love what I do. So is it fair to say that you're a biomedical nerd who just happened to catch the oil bug? I, I kind of see as you're, you're bilingual because they're two different industries and you're helping be that liaison between the two sometimes. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be fair to say. Uh, yeah, I love I love STEM. I love science and biology and the biomedical sector. There's a lot of great technologies that come out of it. For myself, I recognize that my strength is in taking really technical concepts that are complicated and communicating them in ways that are relevant to the audiences we're speaking to, especially resulting in business outcomes. So having that technical, but as well, the business side of things. And that is transferable no matter what technology, no matter what sector you're trying to apply it to. So I found that that, that has been really helpful for my role and what I'm doing. And in your role, your tech at Interface Ludics, it's actually, it was healthcare technology, correct? That's now being used in oil and gas. How did that happen? We took a technology, as you mentioned, uh, called microfluidics, and that had been proven out and de-risked for decades in the biomedical industry. Diabetes test strips is one example of that application. And we thought about it and, and thought about how the rock properties are all under these micro and nano confinements. So what a great fit. Why don't we adapt it? And why don't we use it to actually recreate synthetic rock and flow through fluids and see which fluids recovers more oil. And so that was the idea that spurred on the company now. 
So it's, it's been really exciting. Some of the challenges we've had to overcome on the technology side is how do we take it from ambient conditions and, and ramp it up so it can withstand those really high temperatures and pressures that we're seeing down hole. And so that's been a lot of the innovation that we've brought to the technology. But it's, it's been really exciting for us. And I, I look at a lot of other technologies, too, that have followed a similar path, that they were proven in one industry and then they're adopted in oil and gas. So nanoparticles, that's another one where you see them in computer screens and different products. And then they thought, why don't we put that down hole and see what happens? So I, I get really excited when you see that kind of cross-pollination of, of technologies and ideas because that's that's truly where the innovation is happening. And I believe a recent Startup Village competitor, and I think they actually won something this year, Ingu Solutions, does that downhole nanotechnology. Have you heard of them? Do you know Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know if I'm getting like a nod smile right <laughs> now or if you're like, oh, those Ingu people. <laughs> no, Ingu is fabulous. We we love Ingu. Another Calgary-based company, they, they're doing some really neat things. They have little balls that they put through pipes. Uh, and we actually, we went through the Creative Destruction Lab Rockies with them. We we're the first uh, cohort and, and graduated. So, no, we, we love Ingu. Well, this does lead to a key point, though. The cross-industry collaboration. I mean, your bread and butter right now is just helping people pick the right chemicals. And chemicals is not restricted to just oil and gas. But, but here you are with a brand new way for this industry to capture images and interactions between chemicals and hydrocarbons. Yes, the, the cross-industry cross collaboration is absolutely key. As I mentioned, I think a lot of really great innovation comes when you take a proven technology out of one industry and then apply it in a novel way in, into oil and gas. I think that's where we're going to continue to see a lot of the technological breakthroughs. And even though they are breakthrough in terms of the novelty of the application, it's, it's really a proven and established technology to begin with. And your technology, you kind of hinted at this earlier when you mentioned Equinor, your partner with the funding, they do boast carbon efficiency. Does Interface Fluidics help with the carbon footprint as well with what you're doing? There's definitely that element to it. So microfluidic technology has the potential to, to make a big impact on that, that front. And in particular, when you're using microfluidic testing, we have really small sample sizes. So in terms of the, the shipping and the transportation of samples, that's a big impact. As well, we're helping operators make decisions that create a lot of efficiency. And so you're recovering a lot more oil with a lot less input, which naturally has implications on greenhouse gas emissions. So those are the, some of the, the specific examples. But I think as a whole, you know, I'm really excited about Canada and, and the US and North America and all the smart people we have working on that realm of things, because I think we're starting to see a lot of movement and, and a lot of progress. Well, and let's be honest, you really cannot get real rocks in labs to do what you guys are doing. Uh, your chips, they can run tests over and over, testing for EOR, production enhancing chemistries. Uh, we're talking about actually taking the physical replication of core. That's kind of what you guys have created. And then you can run hundreds of tests with this thing. And here's the kicker, compare that to an actual sample of core, which we've seen at these conferences. They're, they're meters and meters long. You look at that, they're like, wow, you know, what did it take to get in there? You could break the bank when you're transporting that and then acquiring it. But it also, when you're testing it in a lab, it's going to degrade. You're going to lose pressure. I'm not trying to do the elevator pitch for you guys here. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll get to the actual question. When did you know that you had something that was going to be a success? Can you recall the day or the moment in time where you just thought, 
oh, wow. Like, <laughs> I, I did choose the right path here. <laughs> yes, it was back when I was a management consultant. So the, the three founders engaged my firm to do a market assessment, looking at the technology and, and essentially the usefulness of it. And that's, that's what I had spent my four years doing. And so I'd seen the range of reactions from the market of, you know, some technologies I would assess, no one wanted it. All the way to interface, which I went out and spoke with about 12 industry experts, and they all overwhelmingly said, we need this. When can I buy this? How much will it be? Can I set up a call next week? And for me, getting that feedback, that was the aha moment of, wow, there is incredible product market fit here. And the industry needs this technology. They have an urgent problem. They're willing to pay for it. And they want what you have. And so that for me was the moment of, I want to join this company. And I want to help build it. And I want to help bring this technology to the world and see the impact that it's going to have. And look at you guys, 40 plus new employees later, appearing <laughs> on podcasts. I mean, that's really just like the apex of anything. If you can go on a <laughs> podcast, you really know that you've made it these days. Especially the SBE podcast. Honestly, I could not agree with you more. Well, I, I want to discuss how to utilize a trendy word that's being used in just about every business strategy session, plus failure examples. But first, a reminder that SPE members get up to a 50% discount in the SPE bookstore. Visit store.spe.org to look for your next reading material. Just one of the many great perks for being an SPE member. All right, it's a trendy word, innovative, uh, hashtagable, you could even say. Um, I think entrepreneurship is exciting but I also get a lot of feedback and I can understand as well that it can be scary. We really marvel at the success stories, but it feels like there are even more cases where you see the close sign that gets hung in the window and they don't really get talked about as much. What support do we need to be giving startups? One of the things I talk about a lot is the number one reason tech companies fail is that they build something that no one buys. It's a product market fit. And so I'm always encouraging and, and giving advice that it's really important to do customer discovery up front. It's really important to talk to the market and really understand what problems they have. And is it a top of mind problem? Is it problem one, two, or three on their list? Because if it's problem 57, then they're likely not going to pay money to solve it or take your meeting. Uh, so, so doing that, I think helping give that advice and mentorship is really important as well, being available to give that feedback. So I think something that's a similarity from Calgary, where I'm from, and in Houston, I found everyone is really willing to take a meeting and to take coffee and to give advice. And, and that is unique, I think, to our two cities when you look at other places um, in North America, is that we are really willing to sit down with entrepreneurs that have these ideas and tell them our feedback. Yes, that would be great. Maybe if you changed it this this way, then it would be more useful. No, my company wouldn't buy that in its current form. And those pieces of advice are so important. So I would, I would encourage everyone to continue doing that, continue taking those coffees, um, because it helps, it helps everything. The tech companies are trying to build something that's useful for industry as well. Uh, so it's a win-win. I think as well, helping companies get more exposure. So more things like these podcasts, highlighting neat new technologies. 
I think that's helpful on both ends. Operators want to learn about them and, and start using them, and the tech companies want to get the word out. And then finally, funding. I think as much as we can help support uh, the tech community and with funding, that can be a real hurdle. You can have a really great idea and a great team, but if that team isn't able to get the funding to get it to the next level or give it enough runway until it makes that big contract that can sustain itself, then you know we're not going to have as much technology to draw from. So I love the idea of not being afraid to just ask for a coffee because how simple is that? And even if you're only batting 100 on that, where you ask for 10 coffees and you only get one, I mean, you're still enjoying a coffee. So, I mean, even the conversation is <laughs> terrible. You've got that going. And then I'm also hearing, make sure that you know how to market yourself and you have a business plan. Yes. Three steps right there. That's an easy way to bullet point it for anyone who needs that advice. So when you were asking for those coffees, what did it take for you to give up your path in life? Because I mean, you discussed the transition that you made uh, going from healthcare and switching over into oil and gas in the startup world. What did it take for you to throw your hat in the ring and say, bring it on? You know, this is all or nothing. <laughs> it was an exciting moment. Being in management consultant, it was a very fulfilling and, and uh, comfortable career for myself. And I had the opportunity to work with phenomenal entrepreneurs that were bringing really cool technologies to market. And it always kind of hurt every time a project that I was really invested in ended and then they got to go away and build the company and I was moving on to the next thing. I learned a lot, but I started getting that craving to really put all my strategy and learnings to work and, and really got bit by that bug where I want to build something. I want to build a company. And so I was fortunate that the right opportunity came along. The right entrepreneurs walked through my door with the right idea and, and we uh, got along really well. And so the stars kind of align and you know, had the conversation with family. And fortunately, uh, my husband is very successful in his career. And so we were able as a family to take on that financial risk and take that plunge. So I think it was the perfect storm. And I think that is is right sometimes for for you as a family or e even if you're out there working as an individual, sometimes you do have to wait for that perfect storm in order to take the leap. It's not always going to work out because it is what it is. It's a leap. It's a plunge. It's a gamble. But you know, sometimes that's life, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. that can be what makes it exciting. It's not for everyone. I'm not telling everyone listening right now, hey, you all need to go join a startup. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Throw away whatever career you're currently working on. But but for those who, who may just be too comfortable or who may just feel it somewhere in their gut that they need to change, you're not alone. You know, there are other people who've made this risk. Um, so reaching out, having that cup of coffee, um, listening to other podcasts where, <laughs> where this, this conversation gets going. These can all be helpful ways for you to, to pick up tips and tricks that you need to know. And I think one of the bigger ones is, is the last question I've saved for you. And, and, and that's to ask, not just in business, but in life, why are failures okay? What have you <laughs> learned about that? Failures are essential, I would say, because if you're not failing, then you haven't pushed yourself. Uh, there's a really powerful quote that inspired me. It's called The Man in the Arena. I'm not sure if you've heard of that one. And, and it talks about, you know, the credit is really due to the, the person, man or woman, in the arena that's in it day in and day out, battling it out. They may stumble. They're probably going to mess up. But they're, they're there and they're trying. And so in the end, they're going to know the sweet 
feeling of success or failure. But when you look at the critics, the ones that are showing when they're you know coming up short and and not doing a good job that are in the cheap seats, they're not going to know either. And so which path do you want for yourself and for myself? You know, when I heard that quote, I was like, I want to be in the arena. And that comes with failure. And that's okay. We have to embrace that. It's been an absolute joy having you in the studio. Thank you for for all the wisdom that you've shared with us. Uh, And for those who do want to learn a little bit more about you, where's a good place to connect? I love connecting on LinkedIn. So we can include my, my LinkedIn profile in the podcast as well. Come check out our website at interfacefluidics.com. We've got lots of uh, places that you can reach out and, and email me directly. Awesome. And then we will include those links in the show notes so you guys can access those easily. Also wanted to mention that you're a member of SPE's Women in Hydraulic Fracturing. You're in the Young Women in Energy Care Canada. Actually, could you go ahead and give Care Canada a little plug? I know a lot of our <laughs> listeners aren't going to know what Care Canada is. Thank you. Care Canada is a phenomenal nonprofit. We're global and it's about eliminating poverty through educating and empowering girls uh, because statistics show that that's the fastest way that we can eliminate poverty. Uh, so that's an exciting uh, organization. If you're looking around Christmas time where I think this is going to air or the holiday mm-hmm. time for somewhere to donate, check out care.ca. So you're, you're, you're a little bit more than dogs on docks and startups. <laughs> <laughs> Got a uh, lot going on. There you go. Well, thank you for all that you're giving back in your time. Um, and, and I'm sorry, but I'm looking at my, uh, uh, your resume. Are you also a recipient of an award from the United Nations? Is this, <laughs> was this a typo that someone's handed me or what is this? You're making me blush. <laughs> uh, yes, I was, I'm fortunate to be a recipient of the She Innovates Award for the United Nations. And so what that entails, it's a program for two years, myself and other innovators are going to be showcased with the whole goal of showing the world that if you can see it, you can be it. So it's a phenomenal program and I'm so, so appreciative to be a part of it. It's, it's really fulfilling work. All right, well, I want to congrats out to Kirsty and the whole team over at Interface Fluidics for everything that you guys are accomplishing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. All right, let's keep the conversation going. Use the hashtag SPE podcast on all your social media channels to reach out and leave your comments and reviews. We love hearing from you. You can find SPE podcast wherever you get your podcast. Search the SPE podcast on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and all those other fun listening tools. We're also online at spe.org slash podcasts. Special thanks to this episode's guest, rising star, Kirsty Boyle. I'm Jason Notoris, and thanks for listening. SPE Podcast is powered by the Society of Petroleum Engineers, whose vision is to advance the oil and gas community's ability to meet the world's energy demands in a safe, environmentally responsible and sustainable manner. Learn more at spe.org.